Welcome to the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast, Been There, Done That. To get free mentoring services, as well as to see the wide variety of resources available for small businesses, visit our website at www.score.org or call 1-800-634-0245. And now, here's your host, Dennis Zink. Episode number six, Computer Loss Prevention, Data Backup and Retrieval. Fred Junior joins me in our studio today as co-host, SCORE mentor, and our audio engineer. Good afternoon, Fred. Good afternoon. Our guest today is David Spire with United Systems in Bradenton. David, welcome to Been There, Done That. Thank you, guys. David Spire is the president and CEO of United Systems. David has spent more than 15 years in areas of sales and marketing, finance, and operational efficiency. A recipient of the Gulf Coast Business Review's 40 Under 40 Award, David holds several Microsoft certifications, including Small Business Specialist, Corporate Licensing Specialist, and Education Licensing Specialist. He is also a Master Certified SonicWall Sales Specialist. David was named to the 2013 SMB 150, a listing of the top worldwide SMB IT channel influencers. In addition, United Systems was also listed in the Tampa Bay Business Journal's list of the top 25 largest managed IT service providers. David graduated from Florida State University, go Knowles, with a Bachelor of Science in Studio Art, and he is currently pursuing a Master's of Business Administration from Webster University. David, would you begin by uh, providing our listeners with some background information on what your business does? You bet, Dennis. Uh, We serve as small and medium-sized business uh, IT specialist. In most cases, we are the in-house IT department for these businesses. So organizations that don't have a budget large enough or a need large enough uh, to have on-staff IT, we are that department. We also do supplemental services for larger organizations, usually in certain specialties, uh, security or things like that. Great. One of the biggest problems that a company can confront is, is failing to adequately back up their data. They tend to suffer a loss that is, is difficult to come back from. What can companies do to protect themselves? You know, for a starter, um, I would say a plan. A plan is a great place to start. Um, we do plans for so many other pieces of our business, but it seems like um, this is an often overlooked area. Um, it's just one of those things that uh, until a, a situation happens, a catastrophe happens, um, the, you know, there's there's not much thought given to it. So having that plan and having realistic expectations, we call them recovery time objectives, of what it should look like, who should do what, when, uh, to get those systems back online is really a key component. What kind of disasters have you actually seen over the years? You know, being that we're on the, the west coast of Florida, everybody's worried about the storm, the hurricane. And uh, I always joke around with clients, and I say that's my least of my concerns. We see the idiot in the yellow rain slicker out there telling us, hey, it's come and run, right? Um, so most frequently, it's, you know, the, the ones that we warn clients against is fire, theft, flood, and malicious intent by former disgruntled employees. Those are the, the four most frequent areas that we'll see um, problems occur. And it's usually an offset of one of those four that, that create the problems as it, re- as it relates to data loss. I had an employee that as she was leaving, she was deleting information. And I said, what are you doing? Right, exactly. (laughs) You just really never know. David, what are you seeing out in the business environment today that relates to business continuity and recovery time objectives? I mean, what do you mean? And what do you mean by recovery time objectives? If you could explain that. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. So with... 
with backups, if, if we go back about five years in, in backups, the, the main thing clients were worried about is just do we have the information? Are we able to get back up and running? And as technology has kind of evolved over the last, I'll call it half a decade, um, it seems like with the cloud, with businesses going paperless, there's more and more of a demand for this electronic information, and it's got to be real time. If we take those systems away, then the, uh, the business ceases to function. Think of medical with um, electronic medical records. If the doctor can't get to those records, they can't see you. There's no more paper charts to pull. We've already converted over from that. So as we sit down with clients and we try and develop these plans, the question usually is, well, how fast can I be up and running? Or they'll say something like, just downtime isn't an option. And so having a, a, a predefined set of expectations of how quickly we can get systems back up and online and setting the, the plan around that in advance is, is really the key. So it can be anywhere from um, zero downtime, which would require complete redundant hot site of information. So all the, the systems and hardware and software would have to be replicated somewhere else, um, anywhere down to a day, you know, eight hours. And so there's a price tag associated with both of those. And so we've got to find that balance between cost and benefit and make sure that they mesh up. Along. You know, that's interesting. Uh, I experienced just last night, uh, TiVo's servers were down. And I went out to their community forum and the vitriol that was being expressed by their customers who, who couldn't schedule a new season pass or couldn't set up something to record was immense. And so for a, a good-sized company to have customer-facing systems and those customers not be able to use those systems can, I, I would think, in certain situations, literally cause a company to cease to exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, st- the statistics are staggering as far as... Um, if, if there's a significant amount of data loss, how, how quickly these businesses go out, even when they, they come back online, the, the damage is, is substantial. So it's a, it's a key component to, to uh, any business, really, is the, the data backup and make sure you have a, a good plan in place if something happens to it. You know, over the years, in, in my experience, I, I've seen situations where staff members, they switch out tapes, rotate hard drives uh, for backups. In your opinion, what's a good plan and what's not a good plan? Yeah, the, the term I use is um, trust but verify. So we, we want it automated. We don't want to rely on humans to have to do anything. But if we lean too much on just the systems alone, then that can be problematic as well because they do fail. And so uh, it's hardware and software created by humans, run by humans. So we want it to be uh, consistent. We don't want to have to rely on you know Betty up front swapping out the hard drives. It's just not a, uh, an efficient way to do things anymore. Um, people get sick. People take vacations. They think that something's happening behind the scenes, and it's not. So we want to automate as much as the process, but have a piece in place that also allows that we can check it to make sure it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. One thing that relates to that, and maybe you're going to cover it later, and I apologize if I'm jumping ahead, but I've had experience restoring systems, and it seems like a huge percentage of the time the the restoration doesn't work. Can you talk a little bit about how to, or if you practice data recovery and how a small business should do that because obviously everybody's afraid that they're going to damage something in the recovery process bringing something back that they shouldn't have and that sort of thing do you have some sort of a protocol for for testing your backups and testing recoveries you bet great question fred Uh, we we suggest that every business or you have a, a a plan in place that once every 30 days we do test restores and I would say that this is the most overlooked area of a disaster recovery plan, period. 
hands down. When we go into businesses, you know, we'll, we'll meet with the decision makers and I'll ask a question. When was the last time you tested their backups? And I just get blank stares. Uh, I get one of three things, blank stares, or we just had a failure. That's why we're calling and it's not working, right? Or, um, well, you know, Jim's supposed to do that. Going back to you know deferring to the higher power in, in whoever Jim might be in their organization. So uh, once every 30 days, and, and the analogy I always use with clients is if I'm up on a trapeze and I see that net there, I want to know that there's not so much slack that I'm going to still hit the concrete. So just because the backups are running, it gives it gives people a false sense of reality that those things are just A-OK. And um, more times than, than we'd like to, to admit, there is some sort of corruption that something needs to be reset. It's not capturing all the information the way that it's supposed to. So, so having that recovery plan in place and knowing that we're verifying that the backups are good goes back to trusting, but verifying. We're trusting that it's running. We can see the data on the drive, but do we know that it's all good? We don't want to. We don't want to wait till it's showtime to know that we need it. You get one shot at it. Yeah, there's nothing like uh, going to restore and finding out that you don't have a, a disk to boot from or some right. some silly little thing that means you have to take. 15 steps back to accomplish that simple restore. Exactly. I like that Reagan-esque, trust but verify. That's, I'll remember that one. What are you seeing today as it relates to frequency of backups? I mean, are people doing them once a day, once a week? What schedule should should uh, should look like? Really, really, Dennis, it goes down to a, a business conversation. So with, with today's systems, we've already established the fact that now more than ever, businesses are running on technology. They're running on data. Um, the, the term that I use with this is it depends on how, how highly transactional things are going. So I'll give you two different scenarios. If we're talking about a server that information is written to a few times throughout the day, then once a day is more than sufficient. We don't recommend any less than once a day. If we're talking about um, a large, um, take, take a hospital, for instance. We've got several providers, people putting information into it constantly. We wouldn't want to rec- recreate any more than once every 15 minutes. So um, it, you really, for, for our, our clients, it spans from 15 minutes to once a day. And it all depends on how much information is going in there, how frequently, and the pain threshold of recreating that period of time. Do you ever consider uh, continuous real-time backup? There are some, there are some uh, solutions out there that do that. They can be a little problematic in just the way that they, they capture the information. So usually about once – there's a trade-off. And so what we found is that 15-minute window, trying to reverse it 15 minutes is usually okay in something like that as it relates to the other benefits that come with it. The software, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, really drives what features and benefits are associated with it. And it's interesting because a lot of the times what you're trying to recover from is a mistake that someone may have made with their data. And if the backup is too frequent and too uh, too all-encompassing, you've just wiped out the ability to recover that mistake. Correct. If, if not set up properly, you're absolutely correct. Let's talk about uh, retention rates and and what's a good policy for how long we should keep backups. And, and you know, dovetailing into what Fred just said, back, you call it five years ago, that's that's a pretty pretty nice window to look at. We used to do those backups once a day. And on average, in a business scenario, you had somebody trading out hard drives to take a copy off-site. So we had that situation going on. And the backups would usually, you'd have two drives and you'd do maybe a Tuesday, Thursday, and a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And usually the retention rate would be about a week. So tonight would override last Wednesday, tomorrow would override last Thursday. So the, the challenge with that is you've got a one-week window, 
to realize that you need some information back. So in a in a recovery situation, fire, theft, flood, well, I just need yesterday. Well, that's not always real world. So real world is, hey, I accidentally deleted this file. I use it once a quarter to submit sales tax reports or something like that. And I don't touch it until three months from now. And then I realize it's gone. Well, I don't know if, if I don't, I doubt it was deleted in the last seven days. And if it wasn't, then I'm out of luck. So um, in today's environment, we, we practice what we call a base image in incrementals. So we back up the system starting when we start, and then every backup after that is only the incremental changes or what we call the delta. And so the nice part about doing a scenario like that is we can roll back all the way back to the first backup. And so as time lags on, there is some collapsing. So the say we're doing hourly backups. Well, that's going to give us 12 incrementals. Well, 24 in a day, right? So we'd have 24 incrementals. Well, we don't want to keep all 24 of those forever just because it would take us so much space. So the dailies, we collapse down into weeklies. The weeklies, we collapse down into monthly. So the further out you get from it, you can't pinpoint that hour as easily. But again, it's you know there's a cost to offsiting all that information if you choose to offsite or even onsite it, or the backups can become bloated. So we can still get back to the day or the week or the month. And so it gives us, it gives us some options to recover from. Makes great sense. Yeah. And, and speaking with business owners today, uptime is of critical importance. Yeah. In the event of a di- if a disaster were to happen, what should be a reasonable expectation as it relates to restoring from a good backup? What we see today is is four to eight hours, and it's it's kind of a qualified answer because it depends on how the systems are are set up. So if a typical small business has one or two servers. A half day to a day is completely reasonable, depending on how they've invested, going back to that plan that we started with. Uh, if the information is already sitting on site on a an appliance or a server that's set up, ready to go, then it could be as little as an hour, 20 minutes. It, it all depends. So it depends on how much information has to be moved back and forth. So um, we always look at the balance. I think we might have mentioned this, but if we have, we look at the balance between cost and availability. And uh, it's really an insurance policy. So the higher your premiums, the lower your deductible. The lower your premiums, the higher your deductible. So if we want to have a smaller cost on the front end to implement a plan like this, then we might have a little higher cost as it relates to downtime as we try and get things back online. But any reasonable solution today should have you back up and going within the day because we're losing business revenue. We want to make sure that it's uh, that you're making money. Um. Let's talk for a minute about, you see things on TV, and but Carbonite and uh, Mosey and other off-site backups. Uh, off-site backups are very popular these days. What's your professional opinion about moving to an off-site backup versus the traditional on-site backup? Yeah, cloud is very hot right now, and cloud is this big nebulous term that really nobody understands, and but, but everybody wants to take part in it. <laughs> it's, it's very trendy. And... Offsite backup is critical to a business because of the fact that you just don't know. Uh, a great example that, that I have is I was meeting with a client the other day, and I pulled in their parking lot in the building across the street. All the walls were up. There was no roof. It had been destroyed by fire. I was like, what the heck happened over there? Air, uh, lightning hit the air conditioner. Air conditioner caught on fire, burnt the building down in the middle of the night. So on a Tuesday, they worked out of that building. On a Wednesday morning, there was no building to work out of. Um, scenarios like that, the best on-site backup plan in the world does you no good. They were able to move literally to the building across the street. We can order new computers. We can order new chairs and take care of all that. But we need all those patient files, all that information to, to be able to be re- retrievable. And so that's why off-site is such a critical component. The downside 
to off-site. As it relates to backups, we don't want to do off-site only. And the reason why is, again, recovery time objective. So if we take all that information and we put it off-site to an off-site only data center, Mosey, Carbonite, that really doesn't matter who it is, or even to a private cloud, as we call them, getting that information back can take an immense amount of time, can take weeks, literally, because of we're dealing with bandwidth limitations. So the speed at which the information traverses the Internet. Clients might say, hey, that's no big deal. We've got a huge pipe. Yeah, but the guy on the other end might not open his end up to give it back as fast as you want it. So um, there was a law firm in town that, that called us recently, and unfortunately we get these calls usually after the fact. Our server died. What can you do to help? And I was like, we can help next time, but there's not so much we can do this time, right? Because the the, the lack of decisions weren't, you know, or, or hadn't been made. The decisions hadn't been made to, to do it right. And literally three weeks it took them to get their information back. Yeah, I can imagine. I've got a friend who does um, computer systems for, for medical practices, and they now digitize all their x-rays. And so you can imagine the data quantity that they have for these, and, and I can see how it can take that long to get things back. I suppose that you lead me into another area, which is specialized equipment. If you have a physical loss, you know, your, your building is gone, and you have a medical practice or something else that has specialized IT equipment, yes, you can go over to Best Buy and pick up some PCs, but you might not be able to pick up that specialty scanner, that specialty, uh, maybe a specialty storage device, something along those lines. Do you see your clients being willing to buy duplicate equipment to keep off-site in the case of some sort of a disaster along those lines? Fred, in most cases, we don't see them purchasing uh, additional equipment. What we do see them doing is partnering with other, well, you call them competitors, really, in, in the marketplace, That especially dentists. Dentists are real big about swapping out offices, so they might have one out west and someone else has an office out east, but they want to um, balance their patient load, and so they'll actually share environments where the information is particular to their business, but an operatory is an operatory, right? Uh, a machine that takes x-rays is a machine that takes x-rays. And so in some cases, they have uh, shared environments where they're not open every day of the week, and, and they can supplement in that way. Um, the the capital expense to have hot spares like that is pretty daunting, and in most cases, uh, organizations aren't willing to, to make that kind of investment. But they will on some of the, the, the lesser equipment, some of the core infrastructure stuff, especially from an IT perspective, to have the availability and the uptime. How do they bill for... Uh for the uh, Carbonite and Mosey, and what, what's the methodology they use? Is it data used? Is it, is it time backing up, or is it the space that they, uh, they occupy with their backups? In most cases, it's the space used, and so they'll do an aggregate billing. Everybody's a little bit different, uh, especially in the business environment. Uh, Mosey and Carbonite are trying to break into the business environment. Um, we'll talk a little bit about software later, but um, their softwares really aren't developed to back up backbone of a business network. They're great for home computers, laptops, things like that. But in most cases, it's all based on aggregate space usage. There there are so many software vendors competing today for attention. And are all backup softwares created equally? Or you know, do we need to pay attention to different features and needs? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a great question, Dennis. The the, the backup software that, that drives these is really the critical component. Of, of what happens. And so there's a lot of different features that we want to be able to leverage in the uh, 
the case of a need, because every need is a little bit different from one file being lost or corrupt to a whole system being lost or corrupt. Um, so the, the changes that have taken place over the last few years have been pretty revolutionary as it would relate to these softwares and the ability to uh, resurrect systems that, that are down or dead. Um, and so making that, making that selection on the front end is one of the most important decisions that you can make it, as it goes back to that plan that we talked about at the very beginning. So um, talking about a, um, not to pick on them because they've got great products, but a Carbonite or a Mosey, well, those aren't really developed to backup, say, an exchange server, which powers a business's email. And so they'll do great on the file and folder piece. Trying to recover an exchange server is not happening on one of those, even after it takes three weeks to get all that information back, right? So making sure that the business need and the tools we use to back it up, you know, Dennis and I, we've talked about, you know, you don't want to use a, a hammer to drive a screw. Same sort of scenario. You want to make sure you've got the right tool for the job uh, to be able to, to leverage it when you do need it. Because technology is, is constantly evolving, David, how do I know that my backup software allows for restoring to dissimilar hardware should, let's say, my server die and all of our business data is suddenly inaccessible? Right. You know, uh, it, it's one of the most frustrating parts of, of our industry is you know your equipment's outdated when you receive it because it just moves that quick, right? So just just from the time they make it to ship it to you it, or, or the time you drive home from the store with it and get home, uh, they've already released a newer model. Um, so one of the challenges as it would relate to the recovery that we're talking about is trying to get that information to work on a different system. So the only thing we can be guaranteed of is that we can't replace it with the same exact server that you had in place before. And so, again, making the right decision as it would relate to that software, uh, the the industry term that we we use is dissimilar hardware. So we need to be able to recover it to dissimilar hardware, and it's all in how it's captured on the front end. On the back end, it's too late. If you need it and, and you don't have that feature, it's not like you can go pay for it now and there's some, you know, switch that we can flip. So the way that the information is backed up and the way that it's captured, so instead of backing up files and folders, the entire operating system's backed up, all the drivers go along with it, all the specialty softwares that are already preloaded, we get it soup to nuts, and we do what's called a block-level backup. I don't want to get too technical, but we're not even looking at it at the software level. We're looking at it literally on the disks, so we're backing up the ones and zeros. And in doing so, it allows us to take that information, move it to a completely different piece of equipment that's completely dissimilar, could be different makes, models, you can go from a Dell to an HP. With the right software in place, you can still recover on that in a virtualized environment and get your get your systems back up and going and making money again. That's interesting. I had a uh, I use a, a package called Acronis that offers a uh, if you pay extra, it offers the feature to restore to dissimilar hardware. And uh, and that's pretty critical. You're absolutely right. The, everything changes so quickly, and that that driver that worked fine on uh, Windows XP won't work on Windows 7 or something along those lines, or Windows 8.1, and all of a sudden, the the fundamentals underneath your software don't work anymore. So you do need features like that to to be able to recover quickly. David, did you want to comment about uh, software? You mentioned earlier that you get to that, or did you? Well, that, and that's really that? that's really what what it is. Um, but Acronis is a is a is a great example of a, a product that's very very solid. They're an industry leader as it would relate to business class um, backup. We tend to like one that's called um, Shadow Protect. It's made by Storagecraft. Um, the two of them are just neck and neck. It's kind of Ford and Chevy as it would relate to to. You know, backup softwares, but they're made for the business environment. They're made for those hardware and software applications that allow 
that when the time comes that you need the information, it's going to be there. Um, free software just doesn't do it. There's a, there's a reason why it's free, and it's just not going to give you the leverage that you need to, to recover that information when the time comes. David, if there was one or two things that you would want our listeners to come away from this discussion uh, at the front of their minds, what would it be? Fred, I'd have to say, you know, for, first the, the first thing, this would be on my wish list if I could wave my magic wand, would be to have that plan in place. I know that in some cases it's not realistic. We're all very, very busy. We're all strapped for time, and it's just one of those things that it's it might be on the whiteboard, it might be on the radar, but it's hard to make time for it. Um, an actionable item that I would say to make sure that's happening every day is have somebody that's responsible without a shadow of a doubt that's in charge of managing your data backup within your organization. Because in far too many cases, it's, I'll give you a really good example if we have a minute here. We had, we had a call from a dentist in town one day, and uh, she was in absolute panic of a wreck because her information was gone. And as we started dialoguing with her, she, she wasn't a client at the time, but she just you know, called us off of our website. And come to find out, the dentist thought the office manager was doing the backups. The office manager thought the dentist was doing the backups. Their software provider called, said we need to reset the database in order to make this update. Both of them gave them permission, very confident that the backups were in place. They wiped the database and all the information was gone. Oh, and my goodness. The, the only way to, to get that back, and it's risky, is... is to spend literally tens of thousands of dollars at a data recovery lab, white glove kind of scenario, dustless room to, to try and get it back. And they both had the confidence in each other, but it was really human error that caused that and a lack of communication. So, um, you know, getting back to having somebody in charge of it that knows that it's happening and protesting them is, is just of utmost critic, you know, critical nature that I would say that I would suggest people do. Talk about a cavity. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, David, thank you for enlightening us today about computer data loss prevention, backup, and retrieval. For more information, how can our listeners contact you? Absolutely. They can get us at our office uh, by phone at 941-721-6423, or they can learn more about us on our website. That address is www.unitedsystemsinc.com. Can people email you directly? Yeah, sure. They can email me directly as well. You can reach me at david at unitedsystemsinc.com. Great. Well, thank you again. If you would like to be interviewed for a future business podcast, please contact me directly by email, providing your topic of interest and a brief bio. Send it to Dennis Inc., emailing me at centerofinfluence at gmail.com. That's C-E-N-T-R-E of influence at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast, Been There, Done That. The opinions of the hosts and guests are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of SCORE. If you would like to hear more podcasts, get a free mentor, view a transcript of this podcast, or would like more information about the services we provide, you can call SCORE at 800-634-0245 or visit our website at www.score.org. Again, that's 800-634-0245 or visit the website at www.score.org.